and talk. Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is episode 21, and my name is Alex LeHue, and I get to be a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways we can do this is by reading God's Word, the Bible, and talking about it. We want to encourage people on their journey toward spiritual maturity by Uh, talking about scripture, encouraging one another in reading scripture and God's word. And to do this, we're going through a three-year Bible reading plan. Some like to call it the five minutes a day for three years. But either way, it's a three-year journey, and it's one week at a time. So today on our show, we have John Castor. John, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I was... uh Born and raised in southern Idaho in a little town called Buell. And uh, my grandfather was a pastor at the church where I grew up. And uh, his uh, daughter uh, married my dad, who lived across the street in a rural country setting. Uh, You looked out the door of the church one way, and it was all desert. And you looked out the door the other way, and it was all farmland. (laughs) But uh, I was raised that way until I got old enough to uh, work on my dad's farm. And then we had a ranch about uh, 45 miles away that we used for ranging our cattle. And uh, and that's where I spend a lot of my time when I grew up, is working with the cattle. My, I have an older brother uh, who's passed away. I have a sister. Hmm. And then I have a younger brother. And uh, they... They were always uh, doing chores and everything that we all did together, and we all had our spot to, to uh, specialize in. Uh, as we got older, I got acquainted with my future wife at a county fair, and we started dating and ended up uh, getting married. And we uh, got married, and we lived in Hagerman, Idaho, the first part of our marriage. And we have two children, uh, Corey, who's uh, uh, an air traffic controller in uh, Chicago Central, uh, Illinois. And then our daughter is uh, uh, married to uh, Ben Pfaff, who's a, Ben is a firefighter here in San Antonio, and Trina's an uh, ER nurse. Nice. And so we, uh, we, had, we had a, a, an interesting life. Uh, we started farming and ranching on our own, and we uh, got a call from the Lord, I guess, indirectly. Hmm. And we sold out all of our machinery and all of our livestock. And uh, my wife, Myla, asked me to keep the farm for her security. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> anyway, so we did that, and then I decided to uh, go to college and get an education in how to work with refugees because our congregation there in that little town out in the country uh, sponsored five refugee families from Laos okay. right after the Vietnam War. All right. and, and that's how I got interested in ministry. And nice. uh, I went to my pastor and asked him if he could help me uh, train to help these people see Jesus Christ as their Savior. Hmm. And he said, I just don't have time. But uh, I can recommend you to go to this college they have in Wisconsin for lay ministry. And okay. so uh, I looked at that and went home and talked over to my family. And we all decided that 
I should go ahead and do that. My first uh, time in college was in uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, at the uh, College of Southern Idaho. And I spent one semester there, and then I went and transferred to uh, Concordia University in Wisconsin. And so we moved the family and everything out that way. And while we were there, we sold the farm. And, wow. uh, yeah. and so everything started going that direction. And I took my first call after my got my uh, degree in, in uh, evangelism. I took my first call to uh, Sterling, Illinois, and I was there for four years. And then I took a call to uh, Houston, Texas, hmm. to uh, Gloria Day Lutheran Church at the Nassau Bay area where the Space Center is. And I was there for seven years. And then I uh, got a call as as a pastor, uh, lay minister, pastor, to go to uh, Holy Cross Lutheran Church here in San Antonio on the south end. Hmm. And I was under contract rather than on a call. Yeah. So I uh, I took that for two years, and I didn't want to redo the contract. Uh, I saw that the Lord just wasn't calling me to be a pastor. Hmm. And uh, I turned that down, and then uh, Shepherd of the Hills here in San Antonio issued me a call uh, with the with the idea that I would be financed uh, partially by the Texas district. And so that's how I got into uh, uh, back into doing uh, outreach and uh, assimilation into the congregation through that. And then I retired there at uh, Shepherd of the Hills. Yes. After 23 years of service, and wow. then, and then I decided I was not going to sit around the house. I got <laughs> me a job with uh, Northside Independent School District as a bus driver. Okay, and I did did that for eight years, and I retired from that. And since then, I've just been doing odds and ends. Nice. But my wife was very supportive of me all the way through, and without that, I would not have made it. Amen to that. I, I, I can attest to that. Uh, that is very true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank God for that. And, yeah. and that is, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us because that's a, a much more pleasant life story than uh, some of these stories that we, we encounter at the beginning of the book of Judges, or at least uh, that we're about to encounter in the book of Judges. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, good to learn those things about you and, and where you've been. Uh, today we're going to cover uh, the readings from June 20th to June 26th, and uh, let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. It's chapters uh, 20 to 24 in the book of Joshua, so it ends the book of Joshua and begins the book of Judges with chapters 1 through 3 of Judges. So let's do a quick summary uh, here, John, of what's going on in these chapters. Okay. In Joshua 20 and 21, uh, uh, the cities of refuge is what they were called, and those were all set up at this time. Uh, Using the Jordan River as a division point, they have an east side and a west side of the Jordan. And then we get into Joshua 22. Uh, Did you want to add more to that? Uh, Joshua 22... Let me turn to okay, that. Okay, 22 in. is terms. Yeah. The terms were set okay. up, and the charge, 
the charge was given to East Jordan on what their responsibilities were. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then in Joshua 23, uh, Joshua was old. Uh, <laughs> he was getting to the end of his time. And he came back and says, be true to God because mm. he's been true to you. Yeah. And uh, he gave this as a de- as a statement of his final uh, time, as far as in Joshua 24, then he dies. Right. Uh, and this was the younger generation then that was taken over. And they had not, this younger generation had not experienced the Exodus right. at all. And so they didn't know a lot about what the elderly people had gone through uh, to this point. And then we move into the judges. Did you want to add anything about the Joshua? Uh, Joshua? No, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. Okay. But basically, chapter 24 is kind of a, a big culmination of the theme of the book. So that's important to, to note. Okay, okay. Yep. And then in Judges, we get into uh, uh, Israel fighting uh, the remaining mm. uh, Canaanites. And one of the things that they were given as a command was not to intermingle and to wipe wipe the uh, Canaanites completely out. And this really didn't go on all the way through. We see that uh, this was not what they had done. Right. And so uh, when they didn't do this, then this brought on uh, some problems because they had disobeyed God. Mm-hmm. And so that, then we get into Judges 2, is this is why God raised up the judges because after Joshua's death there was no particular individual to lead, mm-hmm. and so they uh, they started this judges. The judges really were part were leaders of a lot of the tribes yeah. uh, that were involved. So that's where the judges were coming from, and uh, then Judges three is talking about the first three judges. Uh, that were appointed by God to lead the children of Israel. And I'll get into that a little bit more later as we talk about uh, some of the issues that were involved. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for that um, yeah. that summary. And so let's uh, jump into our questions. Is there anything in particular that stands out to you? Uh, yeah. And that is the sinning. And then the punishment following the sin, mm-hmm. and then the repentance following the punishment, and then the deliverance following the repentance. It <laughs> looks like a vicious circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people just can't seem to learn to quit sinning with the promise that's been given to them, you know? And, right. And, and we today, I think, are the same same boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, we sin and we punish get punished if we don't punish ourselves some other way yeah and then we uh, repent and then god delivers yeah uh, it's just a circle all the time continue going yeah and so uh this is definitely the uh, a theme and a pattern especially in the book of judges you know there's disobedience unfaithfulness uh they <laughs> things aren't going well for them because of their unfaithfulness and then they uh, god raises up this uh leader uh, that that I guess is, is called a judge, but it's, it's more like a, like you said, it comes from their tribes, and it's more like a military slash political leader rather than a 
person who judges issues, um, but more of like a, a leader in, in that in that sort. Yeah. And, and God uses them to deliver the people, and so they're and then they kind of they're like, oh yeah, everything's good, and then they go back to uh, disobeying God. And even before we get into the book of Judges in chapter twenty four of Joshua, you know, Joshua says at the end, choose whom the whom you're going to oh, serve yeah. on this day and they say well we're going to we're not we're we're not we're not going to go after those other gods we're going to serve the only god and Joshua yeah. says no you're not <laughs> I'm like <laughs> yeah. well then, then, <laughs> then why are you giving this talk to us man but uh yeah so so that, that that's it's also a if, you know, we think of that pattern uh, being a, a big theme in, in Judges, but it, it definitely is a pattern for them, even since the Exodus. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and also well, in Joshua. So One of the things, too, I noticed is in Judges, it gets a little, uh, boy, what do you call it, gross? Yeah. Yep. As far as what the Judges are doing, you know, cutting off thumbs and toes and, yeah. and putting putting a fat guy down. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your response to that? I mean, I mean, maybe you have a reaction or uh, maybe a, a response to people who are wondering, okay, why is this in there? Uh, and that might concern a lot of people or confuse them as to why this is included in uh, the history. Right. That, that's going to that next question. There's yeah. anything that gives con- great concern and that's one of the things I had is, that, you know, I'm sure there was some pretty gross things that happened when the wars were going on with the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. But but now you're actually getting into individuals doing something, and it, there's, it seems like the, the scriptures are drawing focus to that. Yeah. You know, and I I I've looked ahead a little bit too. So. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you know, always like, good. Yeah, Deborah. You know, she was she was something else too so yeah and samson we know the story of samson all that. but mm-hmm. why i guess that's what concerned me is why all of a sudden now we switch over to individual hmm. rather than grouping hmm. yeah i mean it's definitely a different um uh, a different take on things in terms of you know in the book of joshua you you're really it seemed to be centered around uh, the interactions of the people of Israel as a whole. And then all of a sudden you get uh, down to the, these individual uh, judges and and, and those kinds of things. And I, and I believe uh, are, are the judges, aren't the judges mostly unfaithful? It's been a while since I've jumped, jumped into the book. No, no, they, they, uh, they seem they're handpicked usually by God. Okay. Okay. uh, They're not, I don't think they're they're not yeah. unfaithful. I think they're probably not rooted in the right. word. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they're not like Joshua or like yeah. Moses for right. that matter. Uh, but then, then even after the judges, kind of fast forwarding a little bit into uh, history, you know, you start having kings and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Because. Right. But it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, how we go from this kind of group setting uh, to. Yeah focused on these these individuals and God certainly worked through these individuals and these people and, and that kind of thing uh, it's, it's interesting that he raised up the these individuals at, for a particular moment in time and I did uh, kind of 
read somewhere that it's not uh, real clear as to whether the book of Judges is actually chronological or uh, more organized in a in a more thematic type of way. Right. Uh, yeah. So Although, yeah. Yeah. The author is not for sure either, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, but it but it seems like. Um, you know, even when you, you, you get into the judges and, and these kings and looking to these individuals and these leaders and kind of uh, almost looking to them uh, for deliverance and, and the, you know, the people of Israel like, you know, send us a deliverer, send us someone, you know, because they're yeah. kind of used to the, the stories of, of Joshua and of Moses. But God's point in working through a leader like that is is that in the end, uh, you know, that leader is to be God's spokesperson for uh, the people. And, and ultimately, it's God who is ruling over them. And, and that's why right. in, when it comes to the, the point of them wanting kings, God's saying, uh, I'm, I'll give this to you, but this isn't the way I'd like it to be because the only ruler you need is me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... And they keep they keep going around and around. They keep they keep going <laughs> against God, and then they start all over again. Yeah. Um, something that also stands out to me is, uh, yeah, definitely the ending chapter of Joshua, where he um, says, "Choose whom you will serve this day." And there's that famous passage where it says, "But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Um, and, you know, then he goes on to, to mention, you know, how, how God delivered your fathers up from the land of, of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And so, you know, there's, there's often, uh, you know, this, um, I guess, account of the Exodus and being delivered through the wilderness and being delivered to the promised land, the history of God's people is often recited and repeated. And it says at the end, too, that Joshua wrote down uh, the book of the law of God. And so this continuous writing things down and recording things and 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 writing them on stone in, in kind of a permanent nature, um, it, it, it is a theme. And it's a reminder of how God continuously delivers his people over and over and over again. And he gives them all of these uh pieces of evidence and past events to look back on and remember God's faithfulness. Um, and, uh, and that, that, uh, really, I, I think the theme of the book of Joshua is, okay, who are you going to serve? Now we're, now we're in the midst of it. Now we're in the thick of everything. We're surrounded by all of these, um, you know, other nations that are doing these really wicked things. God doesn't want us to be influenced by that. Are, are we gonna are we gonna serve and obey him, or are we gonna go after the other gods? And I I think that uh, we face the same situation today. Are, are you know Jesus said you can't you can't have more than one master. You either uh, serve God or or serve money. Um, and I think you know are we gonna fear, love, and trust in God above all things, or is there another God that we're going after? True. So. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, and the same thing too is uh, the reason God didn't want uh, them to leave anything behind was because of the 
interchanging of people following after yeah. uh, the pagan religion and even the intermarriages, you know, that a spouse would influence the spouse to do something contrary to what God's Word was. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't want that happening because he was trying to form the people into his people and they weren't cooperating. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else that stands out to you, uh, in, either in the end of Joshua or beginning of Judges? Well, what I see there a lot is uh, God is always ready to help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just a matter of us uh, getting down on our knees and saying, "Hey, God, I'm I'm a messed up person. I've sinned. I need help." Mm-hmm. And once I uh, once a person does that. He's right there, and he's ready, and he's able to forgive. That's the good part. Mm. You know, sometimes people aren't able to forgive, but God is always able to forgive. And uh, and through all of that, that's giving us the hope. And that hope that God has given us is in Jesus Christ, yeah. that through him now we have that hope of eternal life with him. Yeah, awesome. And I I love that you pointed to Jesus, and that's something we uh, constantly affirm and remind ourselves of on this podcast is uh, what John just did is a really good thing to do whenever you're reading Scripture, especially the Old Testament, because the Old Testament points to Jesus, um, and the New Testament kind of points back to him. And if you're in the Gospels, then it's the life of Jesus and his ministry right then and there. Um, And and so it's always good to... uh, you know, if there's a lot of uh, things that seem very foreign or weird or strange to us, it's always uh, good to to jump to Jesus, and because that's where God reveals His character very, very clearly, and He, he still reveals His character uh, pretty, pretty clearly uh, in these Old Testament books, in the Book of Joshua and in Judges, because He's He's always sticking with the people, like you said, He's always uh, forgiving them. Uh, over and over and over again, uh, but especially through Jesus, that uh, reveals God's character and His desire very clearly, um, and His forgiveness and grace. And so, it's always a good thing uh, if you're feeling stuck or struggling with uh, reading uh, some of these uh, chapters, especially when it gets really brutal. It's always a good thing to kind of go yeah. and look to Jesus. Yeah, this. Uh it, it reminds me of trying to raise a child. Um, you allow the child to <clears throat> you allow the child to move according to his will, you know, his free will, until you see him getting into a point where he might be in trouble, and you say something to him. The, the child then has the ability to either stop or keep doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. and you're you're standing there ready to help. And then you're also ready to forgive them if they mess up. Right. And to me, that's all been given to us through these verses and chapters of the Scripture that help us to understand even just raising children. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and is there anything else that um, you want to cover before we kind of move forward with other questions? No, that's it. Uh do you want to move on to that? What's really confusing? <laughs> sure, we can we can yeah, talk about okay. that. We talked about All some right. things that concerned us. What are some things that maybe confused confused us? us? 
<laughs> okay, in Judges 1, 19, it says the Lord was with Judah. And, but they got into this battle, and they couldn't do it because they had they ran into iron chariots. But mm. all of a sudden, they didn't drive out the plains people. Yeah. Uh, that's confusing to me. Right. Because it seemed like if God was with them, then they yes. would have been able to overcome everything despite running into the iron chariots. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did you dig deeper into that to try to try to figure I out an answer? I tried to, but I, yeah, I tried to, uh, but then I didn't get back into it, and I should have. But uh, yeah. I did my notes note down here, and I saw it. I thought, well, iron chariots was kind of like uh, tanks in our time. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden, there's a there's a enemy that's got something new that I have never run up against, and uh, I would guess that they didn't look to God for their strength. Sure. In that process of going after it, because. Uh, if God was with them, and they saw that iron chariot, uh, oh dear, now what do I do? Right. Rather than remembering where their strength was. Yeah, and and that's, yeah, I would I would say that's the most plausible explanation for what's happening, because you know, if God is, you know, God reminds His people constantly, even in the book of Joshua, that He's with them, that they uh, can be strong and very courageous. They need not be afraid. Uh, he reminds yep. Joshua of that at the beginning of Joshua's uh, leadership career or commissioning, uh, preparing yep. him to, to get ready to do really difficult things, things that seem uh, very brutal but are a part of God's justice in a particular uh, area and a particular historical context. And, um, yeah, it's it just... and and. And he reminds them to not be afraid, even though there are these uh, people who, who seem like giants who are living in the land, and there are people with great military power and that kind of thing, or there are uh, armies that are more numerous or more fortified than them. Um, and uh, it seems to be a theme where uh, the people of Israel, either they lose because there's some sin that's going on, uh, that people don't know about or that they do know about, or they have the sin of, like you were saying, uh, just a lack of faith in, in really trusting God, and maybe yeah. they retreated or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. So th that's something that we don't know fully about, but it seems that uh, our, our best guess at this point would, would, would be to uh, assume that uh, there was something on their part that they are responsible for that loss somehow. So, yeah, anything else uh, that uh, uh, you want to hit on? Not on, uh, not on the confusing part, no. Okay. Uh, what gives you great hope uh, when, when reading these uh, chapters in the Bible? Um, what gives me great hope is that uh, as confusing and everything as our world is at this time, hmm. uh, God is still in control, yeah. and we as a people uh, probably need to get down on our knees hmm. and repent 
and because uh, I think we're in a punishment stage right now. <laughs> it, I'm hoping that's the punishment stage. I hope it doesn't get worse, right. you know, it could, which it possibly could. But then we are in repentance, yeah. and I really, really believe that God will deliver us one way or another. Right. Know? Yeah. Because if we don't see uh, signs of deliverance in the immediate future, then we then we uh, know that Jesus is going to deliver us ultimately when He returns. Amen. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I think this is what we were talking about last uh, episode. Is we were talking about um, how the Israelites they were getting all of this land allotted to them, and it kind of uh, mentioned that. Uh, toward the end of Joshua as well with like uh, making these cities of refuge and uh, these other lands and and cities allotted to like uh, tribes like Levi and and that kind of thing. Um, And so they're able to settle the land because for the most part, they've conquered uh, enough land and uh, they're able to inhabit it. Yes, there's clearly uh, from what we see in Judges, there was only uh, there were there was a lot of conquering that still had to be done, or that wasn't done uh, to the full faithfulness that God was uh, asking them to do. Um, however, it was a fulfillment of their promise, and um, it was a reminder that that the promise of God had uh, been fulfilled to them. And I think it even uses that language. Um, it definitely. Um, talked about how uh, none of the promises that God made uh, failed. All came to pass. I think that's in chapter 21, verse 45. It says, Correct. Not, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. And um, and that, he's talking about he, he, that that verse comes at the end of a section in these chapters where the land is being given to the people, and that's fulfilling the promise of Abraham. And it's a reminder that uh, even though they inhabited this land, it wasn't fully conquered. There there was still brokenness uh, in their own lives. There was still wickedness around them. And so even when we see the promises of God carrying us through and God being faithful in our lives today, I think that ultimately he the spirit urges us to look forward to that day when when Jesus will come back and uh in the meantime in the time between uh like you said to uh daily repent to examine ourselves and and get on our knees and say um god uh deliver us and and yeah. and first of all deliver me from my own sin and brokenness yeah. so yeah awesome yeah. Question. Yeah, what sure. happened to the Levites? Uh, you know, they were in charge of the tabernacle. Yeah. Um, and it never says what happened to the tabernacle. It never says what happened to the tabernacle, but eventually um, the temple gets built. And uh, I don't know, I didn't read, I, I don't know if it, it, it mentions anything in, in the reading that we had. Did you find... Is that even uh, in these no, chapters? No, the only thing, was when they built that big altar, you know, and everybody panicked because they built the altar, and that was uh, a sin because right. the, tent, the tent of meetings was supposed to be the center. Right. And here they go ahead and build an altar, 
And then they explained to him the reason they built that altar was so that it was visual from the other side of the river to see that they actually had uh, uh, an altar to sacrifice to God along with what they did. That was yeah. the way I understood it. Because I know and at the beginning, uh, like even in Deuteronomy, I remember that um, there was all this talk about, you know, once you go into the land, you're, you are only to sacrifice, uh, make sacrifices and, and worship uh, at the place that your God is, is going to dwell in. But I don't know right. if they ever mentioned Jerusalem being the capital city. I think it's King David that makes Jerusalem the capital city yeah, uh, in the they, land they, of Judah. They went in and burnt the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, but uh, it, clearly uh, I think it, it seems like the Levites live amongst the people okay. at different cities, uh, and it looks like that happens in chapter 21, where okay. they're kind of being dispersed into all these different cities. And so it seems like, you know, people have maybe, a, like, you know how um, in Jesus's time they had the synagogues, and I, we'd have to look more into this to be yeah. absolutely sure, but, you know, in Jesus' time they had the uh, uh, synagogue and... Um, you know, in, in all the different towns in the city. So so my guess is they kind of have some sort of common place of worship in each in each region or each area uh, yeah. because the Levites are living amongst the whole land. They don't have a particular geographical area right. yeah. on their so own. They're just their kinda, responsibility was the tabernacle. Right. And so yeah. I think the tabernacle is uh, not as much of a thing anymore because— they're so spread out amongst this entire yeah, land okay. rather yeah. than uh, as it was, especially in the, the wilderness wanderings in the book of numbers and all that uh, where they, you know, exp- it explains in, in great detail in the book of numbers, how the tabernacle was at the center of the gathering of the people of Israel and yeah. how they just, from there, it was the Levites, and then, you know, it, it explains which cardinal direction each of the tribes were arranged in. And so it's a very neat and orderly arrangement, kind of like a, I guess, a box around a big giant square of, I don't know, a million or so people around the tabernacle at the center. But yeah, once they're right. dispersed through all this land, it's uh, a lot different of uh, a different yeah. story. Um, so yeah. it seems like the Levites are uh, kind of dispersing out through different areas, and then at some point, th- there comes the temple. But in the meantime, I have no idea. Um, yeah. It just okay. seems like maybe they had uh, maybe many tabernacles, but I had to. I've, I'd have to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you did dig deeper into um, that you found really interesting or anything else that you want to touch on before we take a break? <laughs> uh, I just wanted to let you know, I was I was reading through the book, the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, on my own before we started it at the church. And I was in the New Testament when we uh, started uh, the Bible reading for the for the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. So I never, I never went back to where the congregation was. I just kept going from where I was, mm-hmm. and and now I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. So, 
nice. I was trying to, I was trying to keep that straight from what I was doing here in Joshua and Judges. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I, I'm looking at my notes here, and it says, um, for chapter 21, the descendants of Aaron. Since Aaron's descendants made up the priesthood, their Levitical cities were in the south near Jerusalem. This suggests that Joshua may have been edited or composed after David had made Jerusalem the capital and perhaps oh. later when he formed plans for the temple. So, yeah. yeah. So the Levites still had to be in charge of the ark and all that. Yeah, I think so. that was all put into the temple. And uh, perhaps that was, uh, they just kind of settled in the region of Judah because that was the biggest region of land that was uh -huh. allotted. Uh, even yeah. though Judah was one of the smaller tribes, I, I believe, by number. Um, right. But yeah, so it says uh, here, uh, the Transjordan tribes erect an altar on the shared border with Canaan. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was the altar I was talking about. about. Yeah. It was supposed to be a huge one because they could see it from the other side. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it seems like the the Levite the Levites kind of go south, uh, kind of in the area where Jerusalem is at, and uh, uh -huh. oh, there's a. Uh, I'm kind of looking. It, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. It says in That's 20, all right. 22, verse 19. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord or make us as rebels by building for yourselves another altar other than the altar oh, of yeah. the Lord okay. our God. And so uh -huh. um, it looks like, um, that's where the, yeah, that's where the threat was. <laughs> right. So an inheritance in the Transjordan, so on the other side of the Jordan, was not in itself a violation of Deuteronomy 12, which is some, uh, it, which is where the instructions for centralized worship come from, uh, as people of those tribes would have to travel to the tabernacle for annual feast such as uh, members of other tribes. Um, so, um, anyways, it, it looks like uh, maybe it, it, the tabernacle is kind of in the area of the south, kind of in the land of Judah, which is, is probably where um, the whole idea that David had came from to make Jerusalem the capital, because the tabernacle was probably already in that, area or yeah. region and then people just like the temple in in jerusalem in jesus's day they made pilgrimage uh for annual for feast that only happened uh once a year or whatever because they're still keeping all of these feasts and and different uh celebrations and and observances that god outlines for them in leviticus and moses kind of reiterates in deuteronomy as well yeah. so yeah. Anyways, and they, they and then they brought Joseph's bones along too. So, so you know, it's ah. it's pretty important for them to have all that. Right. Right. Yep. And so it seems uh, like they uh, still were t taking good care of that and manning their stations 
and I think the Ark of the Covenant gets lost, I guess, in battle at some yeah, point yeah. later on down in history. So Yeah, I think that gets in Kings, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have it. I don't have it memorized. Uh, we're two uh, guys with you know all this mm, theological training. Uh, well, but it's, well, I just remember the enemy. Enemy had a little bit of a problem with it. Yeah, of course. So uh, that just goes to show our listeners that uh, you know we're always learning. Everyone's in process, and we're always learning new new things. And having notes on the Bible is always a good thing uh, when you yeah. can't remember everything that you just read. So yeah, uh, that's a good thing. Well, let's go ahead and take a break, a quick break, and we will be back in just a little while. All right, welcome back from our short break. Uh, We hope that break was restful for you. We definitely uh, dug our nose in to the scriptures and our notes in regard to figuring out where the tabernacle went and where the Levites settled, Uh, but we figured it out. And um, let's do our our last little takeaway. We've talked about a little bit of application um, to our lives today, but John, how do you see this? section of scripture overall, the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges, having importance to our lives today? Well, I see it as uh, an example for me to look at and to uh, understand that any sin that I commit is not too big for God. Mm. He can handle it. He can take it away. And for me, I I need somebody that I can look to for strength and guidance and forgiveness and hope. And that hope is nothing but Jesus Christ. Mm. And when God came to this earth in the form of a human being, Jesus, uh, he lived, you know, 30-some years of his life. Uh, he suffered, he died, and he rose again. And that's exactly what uh, some of these things are even pertaining to, you know, that uh, punishment, the repentance, and the deliverance yeah. all comes through Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I like yeah. that. And uh, again, I, I love how you, you point to Jesus and talked about the the uh, regular act and regular process of, of going through repentance um, seeking forgiveness from God and how he's always uh, there with us. I think uh, the big thing is, you know, especially at the end of Joshua when he's saying, all right, choose who you're, who you're going to serve today. Are you going to be faithful or unfaithful? And they say, we're going to be faithful. And he says, no, you're not. And, uh, you know, that happens a lot of times in the book of Joshua. And even before yeah. all that, uh, God it seems ca- like, yeah. excuse me, it seems like they have good intentions. Right. They certainly do. And we do as well, don't we? Uh, But that's definitely the Holy Spirit urging us on. And uh, as Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the good I don't want to, or the thing that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Um, And if I do that, which I don't want to do, then I agree that the law is good. 
um, yeah. and God's laws are good. His 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 uh, all these these rules and regulations and these leaders that He appoints is always for the good of His people. He's always sticking with them no matter what. He's faithful to them and He's faithful to us today, and He does the things that He does. He reveals the things that He reveals, and He keeps hidden the things that He keeps hidden, all for our good. And it really yeah. comes down to, to trusting in him uh, with the things that are really concerning to us when we're interacting with his word or even confusing or even the uncertainties that we face in our lives uh, today. So, yeah, that's a good uh, way to wrap up. It, it's always a little tricky kind of ending one book and beginning another. Uh, but it's interesting to see kind of the transition in the historical time period of uh, Joshua's leadership into uh, this different style of leadership and deliverance with the uh, judges, which, by the way, the judges, I I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier, judges doesn't mean like a a court judge like we might think of it. It's it's more of like a military uh, political leader. Yeah, uh, similar Correct. similar to Joshua, but not as cool as Joshua, of course. Uh, some some particular <laughs> gift that this individual has. Yeah, and it seems like um, <laughs> Moses is considered more of a a, a prophet type of leader, and uh-huh. Joshua kind of has more of this military sort of flair right. to him. He has kind of this uh, prophet esque way about him and then you move into the judges and it I don't know I I mean we haven't gotten too far into the book but it doesn't seem so far that there's a lot of um speaking for God but rather just more action carrying yeah. out action and events that God uh, is using to deliver people rather than speaking to them yeah. like a a prophet would yeah so. seems like they where they left the, all the Canaanites behind without getting cleaning out the towns and everything from them. Yeah. Seems like that catches up with them eventually. <laughs> and yes, it that's does. where the judges come in to finish cleaning up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we always end our show with a random question. And my random question for you today, John, is this. If you could have an unlimited supply of any type of candy, what candy would you choose to have an unlimited supply of? Is, is that before my health issues or after Let's my health issues? Let's just pretend that you can eat as much candy as you want without okay. feeling sick or being unhealthy. Okay. Uh, what would it be? Yes. Hershey. Wow. All right, a Hershey's Kiss or a Hershey's Bar or just, just like Hershey. the whole Hershey's factory? <laughs> yeah, the whole factory. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I think, oh, man, this is a hard one. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Milk Duds. That is just absolutely my favorite candy. You know, whenever my wife comes home, it, it doesn't happen that often. Uh, hint, hint, honey, if you're listening. Um <laughs> But no, no, really, though, sometimes, you know, there's been occasions where she's come home with uh, milk duds as a treat or uh, I get it. I get like milk duds in my stocking every Christmas and maybe maybe for Easter. Yeah. And so whenever I get a box of milk duds, 
it doesn't usually last it, it, <laughs> very long. It, it's just like I grab it once I grab the box, you know, maybe wait a little while. I grab the box and then I pour myself a glass of milk. I go to town and it's gone just like that. <laughs> so um, for me, it, it's going to be milk dead. So yeah, that's because it, milk does <laughs> uh, have a stuffing. Yes. Yeah, it's very, it's kind of like got that caramel, uh, yeah. you know, uh, filling inside and it's very, um, very chewy. So someone like me who's, um, just eats very quickly, it, it, it allows me to actually savor, you know, savor the flavor. Uh, whereas some yeah. people have the discipline to just like suck on like a Hershey's kiss or like M&M's or, uh, whatever it is, um, for a while. And they're very disciplined with, you know, how they're just sucking on the candy. But for me, yeah. it's just like, at some point I just bite into it and, uh, I just <laughs> eat it. So milk does are very good for someone like me. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, listeners, if you have questions or comments or there's something that w- maybe we missed that you want to know more about on the show, email your questions to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John Caster, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, my privilege, and I, I didn't know what to expect, but now I know, and I I, I uh, consider it a privilege to be able to do it. Awesome. Well, uh, everyone, this has been Grow Up and Talk, and we will see you next time. Peace. Yes. Amen. Amen.